Welcome to the ITB podcast, Let's Talk. Today, it's all about resilience, self-reliance and new world. We encounter the term and concept of resilience in many aspects of life. People ask about how they define it, might say it's about one's ability to bend, not to break, bounce back, and perhaps even grow in the face of disadvantages or negative life experiences. The American Psychological Association defined in 2014 resilience as the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or even significant sources of stress. Sure, this gives you the gist, but it does not reflect the complex nature of resilience and its biological, psychological, and social factors that interact with one another. Just because one adapts well to stress in a workplace, this does not mean they also do so in their personal life. At work, especially with new work, resilience plays a major part, which is particularly relevant in our era. The COVID-19 pandemic we have been facing for almost two years completely turned our already rapidly changing world of work upside down. It gave new work another digitalization boost And even companies that had long opposed digital change had to resort to digital solutions. The pandemic obviously also had an impact on tourism, which is what tourism resilience is all about, and industries need to adapt to those current challenges. In economic jargon, self-reliance refers to the inward development of a country, meaning that it does not export raw materials but uses them in its own country. On an individual level, Self-reliance is described by the Cambridge Dictionary as the quality of not needing to help or support from other people. Therefore, self-reliance is the ability to rely on our own efforts, abilities, powers and resources, rather than of those around you. Apart from an individual's or country's self-reliance, this also can be transferred to a company's self-reliance, which is what we especially want to focus on in today's podcast. Our guests today are Eugen Triebelhorn and Valentin Gruber. They both stand for modern hybrid companies within the travel industry. This makes them the perfect partners for our conversation today. Eugen Triebelhorn has been responsible for Travel Perks German business as Germany's country manager since the beginning of 2019. Founded in 2015, Travel Perk offers a management platform for booking, planning and managing business travel. It provides travel and expense management services for business by automatic spending, limits, and travel policies. The company partnered with Lufthansa Airlines in 2019 to provide the customers direct booking facilities. Valentin Gruber is COO at Home2Go, which was founded in 2014. Home2Go is the marketplace with the world's largest selection of vacation rentals, listing millions of offers from thousands of trusted partners, including Booking.com, Vidalbo, and TripAdvisor. It combines features, price, and location to find the perfect accommodation for its customers. Home2Go operates localized apps and websites in 25 countries across Europe, the Americas, Australia, and Asia-Pacific. It also operates brands such as Agriturismo IT, Amivac, Casamundo, Casa Vacanze IT, Escapada Rurales, and Tripping.com and Windu. Let's talk about tourism resilience, self-reliance, and your opinion on COVID-19 as a catalyzator. So COVID has asked as well as taken a lot from us. There's no doubt about that. But can it give us well? For example, has it made us as a society more resilient 
within practically no time? Has it made you as well as your colleagues more resilient? Let me know. I think what we see as a participant in the industry is that it has made parts of the industry more resilient and that they have proven to be resilient. And this is true, particularly for, for vacation rentals. We've seen an undivided demand throughout the entire crisis and vacation rentals were the most popular destination or type of travel uh, that we've seen. So um, I think many of those managed to emphasize the aspects of individualism, safety, um, being a drivable location, maybe on a domestic market um, as true success factors. And this worked and resonated well with consumers. I think for us as a company and for people in particular, um, it has shown both. It has shown strengths and weaknesses. It has shown us where we have potential because we didn't react well or weren't quick enough to react to the market. At the same time, uh, it has shown us where we may have established a good enough culture that is able to react quickly through due to its flexibility, due to its agility, um, to quickly react to external environment changing. And um, there we have yeah, proven well as a company. And so for the overall society, I am with you in your original statement, like it has shown us um, a much quicker way into resilience through due to flexibility that it would have otherwise. And it has a great impact on, on society and with how we see the future, with how the way we work changed, with how the way we travel changed. So um, we look at it with uh, a big smile in our faces. Eugen, how do you feel about this? Have you noticed a change in resilience in yourself or your teams or your company? For sure. I mean, uh, obviously, at the very beginning um, of the whole Corona crisis, it was like an absolute shock in the end. I still remember, I think it was like back in March, April, where basically all all the business was just stopped in the end. We were like just busy uh, with the cancellation. Of course, it was like a huge shock. It um, took like a huge effort to keep the team still motivating, right? So because you're actually like only working on just... Uh, basically saving the business, not just growing growing the business like we do before in our hyper-growth hyper stage. But um, coming back to your question, um, of course, we just, um, on the one hand side, so on the people side, you can like really just divide the ones that are also like uh, right for this type of, of business in the end. They really, you know, have like the sober mindset just to, focus on the right things the important things in the end on the other hand side also it gave us like a great chance also to prioritize our focus our um in terms of like you know what you know how, how the world might look like after the whole pandemic and where should we stand in the end and um especially like after two two years in the end um it, we were like proven right that it was just certainly the right step to focus especially on the technology just make sure to make things like much more easier in the end also the whole and i'm sure we will like discuss this um also like today there's like a huge shift in the digitalization happening even in the very conservative german um mittelstand mm -hmm. so in the smb environment in the end that is definitely helping 
um, companies like, for example, uh, Travelperk and Silver in the end to support the ecosystem of the different companies to optimize their, um, for example, also like not only business travel, but also business travel as well. And um, yeah, as mentioned before, so um, it's also like very true for the teams, right? So um, the whole um, hybrid uh, way of working, um, also how you just select your people, there's like a lot of things that we have like learned that we were like not that we did not see before and probably even like not able to execute before. But the pandemic in that sense was definitely helping us just to learn much more faster here. Uh, speaking of selecting and hiring people, do you look specifically for signs of an applicant's resilience or their agility that is in job interviews or even beforehand and when looking at their CVs? It goes to both of you. Well, I mean, there's like not like a certain factor we can like really just say, so this is like the type of, um, uh, you know, like stuff you would like just to, to hire in the end. Um, of course, like just we have, for example, a lot of um, people coming already from full remote companies um, in the end, especially just, just from US. I think then it's, um, you know, just like much more easier just to see, um, you know, what they're doing and, and uh, how much experience they have like already in this field. But I think there's like no specific factor that I would just say. But um, I mean, certainly um, people that are, that, you know, have been like working mostly in enterprise beforehand in the end i mean it will be just a bit tougher for us just to migrate them to you know how we see things how we control things in the end but actually that was also you know beforehand also like the case in the end but probably like right now they will struggle even more valentin um i'm i'm fully with eugen there um I think if you want to hire and develop the best people, um, then you, of course, are looking for resilience and you're looking for this agility. And it's difficult because a CV or resume doesn't shout out like, I'm resilient, I'm, I'm agile. Um, so I think what, what you can rather look for and what we also try to further foster as a result of looking for diversity is that you're also looking for this non-linear resumes um, that people bring to the table, like not someone who has uh, studied marketing, worked already in school in some marketing job, then worked in their marketing letter up, and now they're looking for a marketing job. This is nice, and these are certainly good profiles, but for a truly diverse company, and diverse also has a big aspect of this agility, mm. looking for nonlinear resumes and life stories is extremely relevant because then you might some find someone who has studied um, me mechanical engineering and then turned into marketing and there they have a resilience and there they have the agility that truly can bring a team forward and so these are success factors that we are rather looking for in resumes for a tr truly diverse um, background in our in our people well, sounds pretty reasonable and how do you make sure that employees do also feel involved who have been working at your company a little longer how Do you manage to get them along? Um, for us, people that have worked with us uh, longer, we live a very flat hierarchy level over the mm. entire company. So um, the goal for it is uh, that we have distributed decision-making, meaning leading by context rather than by direction. And so um, for us, the distributed decision-making discussions at eye level automatically lead to more ownership at every level 
and therewith at, to also more independent decision making with these teams and with people that have also been here longer. They have simply reached an extremely high degree of freedom in, in everything that they do. And we more consult on a eye level and spare some ideas, but um, do not work in the same approach as you might know it from a more historically conservative company. Uh, I would say their approach is rather democratic um, and that people have expertise and then they also lead topics and teams independently. And yeah, we more serve as guidance givers, but not as decision makers, as le senior leadership there. Eugen? So, sorry, just needed to unmute myself. Um, I think like even more true than before, uh, culture is just a very key here in the end, right? Just to make sure that the people are also like just staying here, um, but also are happy, even, you know, kind of like the industry seems to be, you know, falling apart, at least like just short term. It's just like very important just to emphasize not only on the perspectives, but also just like double down on the approach, how we just deal with people in the end, right? So we made from the very beginning, very transparent in what situation we are right now, what steps we need to do um, just to conquer it in the end. Um, also like compared to other companies, we have also just decided not just to cancel any contracts, also like for a lot of other companies that we just, just saw from like a very other cultural angles in the end where like via like a Zoom call, they have like canceled like a couple of hundred employees in the end. I mean, that was just like from the very beginning, just a no-go for us. We found ways just to not only keep the people, but actually just even like grow the teams, but also just make it like from the very first day, very transparent in the end. Also, I mean, right now just more, more possible in the end, but actually from the very day when it was possible, just to bring the people together, right? Just to make sure that, you know, that still feel to be like a team, like a, a, a big um, family in the end. And uh, yeah, it's, it's still like next to the working part that they also just enjoy to, to work with the people in the end. And of course, that's also like still a big part and will be also a big part of our hiring strategy and bringing similar people that fit very get, uh, good together. And that basically um, belief on the, on the bigger vision here. Yeah, I get it. And summing that up, when defining resilience, as well as keeping in mind the structures of your respective companies, would you think it's a trade or is it a process? Or has it become a trade by process? Okay. <laughs> I go first. <laughs> um, I think for us as a company, resilience and the agility with it is a trait. So we consciously decided to build up the company in a way that it is staying flexible no matter what. We don't put structures and write them in stone. Um, we always try to keep teams flexible to also keep teams in teams so that we can connect them working together with a different team tomorrow. And we also turn around people within teams, um, let them skip teams and responsibilities to gain mostly broad set of competencies with it. However, on the other side, uh, within teams, We see resilience as a process and we see also the agility aspect as a process because 
people are not born with it and people are many times seeking safety. Security means structure. And whenever we break up structures, it's something new. So this is a learning process that this is natural and this is the norm by which we work that maybe you've worked now in this team for half a year, but you will be working in a different team tomorrow. And maybe that this team's focus was A, today, but this team's focus will be B, next week. And this is normal. This is nothing you have to digest. This is great. And I think therewith, for the people, it is rather a process of getting used to it. But in the company, you set the fundament as a trait. Interesting. And that this applies even to companies which are relatively young, such as yours. You would expect that in a company that's 30-something years old, 50, whatever, but with a relative young company, it's interesting that people do follow basically the same natural instincts that want stability and it's 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 work to to shake them up and, and to keep them in in an agile um, mood yes and i guess there it's also fair to differentiate like not everyone is of course like this no uh, younger people that are career hungry they say okay what's up tomorrow and they might be bored after three months But someone who has been in other industries, other types of companies before may not have experienced similar flexibility. And for them, it is a bigger change, um, but something that they knowingly want to do because else they would not work for this company. So that in the end yeah. makes it all fine and still it stays a learning process. Not sure. Eugen? It's uh, definitely right now more important as a process in the end because, um, I mean, resilience, I think, is not only just a tool to protect yourself, but actually just to drive innovation in the end. And this is mm -hmm. also what we try constantly just to push our people, right? Because I think like one of the advantages right now, especially where actually, you know, like all the cards are mixed again in the end, right? So there's like a huge chance, a lot of like big gaps in the market to define things like like very new and very different in the end. And um, yeah, so th this could be like a very like big game changer also just probably for us as a company and probably also like for the industry as well. And by that, we just keep pushing in the end just to um, not only think that way, but also just be even like closer to customers in the end and try to hear and understand and also test a lot of things uh, with this approach by finding probably exactly this um this like new type of way how you can just um, approach things differently. And there sure are challenges which one might come across when building a resilient as well as reliant business in the tourism industry. So for example, linear static thinking, overly concrete metrics, short-sightedness, which would you say is worse? It's the worst of them. And why? Oh, do you have others in mind? Speaking of these challenges that could hinder you becoming a or staying to be a resilient company. Off you go. Okay, then I go first again. Um, so with the ones listed, I certainly agree that linear and static thinking mm. um, nowadays is the biggest hindrance, uh, yeah, the biggest problem you can encounter. Um, we need to make in these uncertain times a lot of decisions under uncertainty. And that means that we have to make decisions where we don't feel so secure about, where we don't have all that data on because consumers behave differently this year than they did last year. Um, however, I think 
particularly as a startup where you have experienced a lot of growth in a rather short time, you are known to that principle of making decisions under uncertainty. And therewith, that's what you call bold decisions because you don't know that it exactly leads to route A is the right way. Um, so while it has, while it is more natural to kind of the origin of the startup, um, it is a bit more unnatural to base all the decisions in a growing and growing organization all more on intuition. And this is for us uh, the new world where static thinking doesn't bring us further. We have to rely much more on our intuition and what we think is right. And we have to make these bold decisions and we still have to be able to feel comfortable with them and be willing to take the responsibility if something goes south occasionally. And I think through our history, uh, we can see that we've proven it with many of these decisions. We started out as a meta marketplace. Um, we now moved it into a fully bookable experience on our page that is from the business model itself, a drastic change. And now we are even advancing this to the next level by providing the solutions we've built for ourselves, um, also providing those to our partners. So that is this constant change at the key, at the heart of what we do. It might still be the same customer, but providing them totally different solution than with what we originally started off and also with different promises that we maybe originally made to investors. And still it proves to be successful. Um, I think that is that is very big part in the decisions and where you have to trust in yourself. Um, yeah, and get away from just, oh, this is too obvious and so it's right. It's, the bold decisions are the ones that your intuition rather tells you than the numbers. Yeah, sure. I mean, like, let's face it, nobody knows right now how the world will look like in two years, three years, but probably even like not next week, right? After the current circumstances that we like have also just globally right now. So I think uh, one of the most important thing will be, and this will also just decide, you know, you know, where you will like stand basically in the, the chain and the, the position in the end, um, you know, how agile you are, how, how like capable just to move fast, react fast, and also make uh, the right and bold decisions in the end. Just to give you like some examples um, that we just did because of the whole um, corona crisis, we just like really realized that as there are like a lot of uncertainty on our customer sites in the end, and they're not really sure how they should, how they're like capable to evaluate the risk of, for example, somebody like an employer should like travel or not. So by that, we had just like invented like our own dedicated API where like in a in a live form we're just like getting updated informations directly on the site and not only about the restrictions but also give them an evaluation if this for example like this type of destination is just like a risk so basically like um mm. like a um like a traffic light um, a system, like very simple, right? But yeah. also next to that a lot of like details so it's like easier for them decide and also basically for the company also just to track where um, the people are without COVID we would not invent it in the end so it was actually like a short-sighted decision in the end but right now also for the like very future however like look like it will be like very relevant in the end even like after corona after pandemic and whatever they might, might happen next in the end this mechanic will be uh, very important very similar for example what we also saw that the pattern of short-term decisions and travel 
might be like very relevant, but also the products and the industry are, are actually like not made for that in the end. So we have also just invented our own product where it gives the capability just to um, book things like very flexible and you can also cancel in like in like one hour before boarding mm. without like high costs and, and many, many more things, right? So I think this, this will be very essential. And um, yeah, due to the current situation, there's one thing for sure, there will be still a lot of changes, even like after Corona and the companies that are, um, that have like the infrastructure also like the, and together with the right people, with the creative people that are, you know, just like focused and bold enough to make the decision at the right time will win. Okay. I guess I will skip the next question because I think both of you touched that in your previous answers. Moving on to the one after that, which is the world is changing. More agility is required. Obviously, new work plays a major part in the industry and its transition these days. So what are your perceptions of the industry? How do keywords such as new work and agility affect it as well as what they stand for? So we see for sure um, a dramatic impact of um, COVID and how it changes the new ways we work um, for us primarily in workation. So, yeah, we see that alternative accommodation, vacation rentals are certainly the new zeitgeist and yeah. people love it because they're, let's say their children have six weeks of summer vacation and historically they were only be they were only able to go on vacation maybe two weeks because then they needed to go back to their job. But now the kids can still spend the additional four weeks at some amazing place. And maybe one person needs to work remotely um, if the other person can take the time off. But it just allows a lot more flexibility. And we see it with the requests we are getting that there are increasingly more longer stay requests for people that want to work abroad for some time. Um, and that this defines for us as the consumer base, a new kind of yeah, travel group that is also the fastest growing travel group um, that we want to serve and where we feel vacation rentals are the perfect place for them to go to. Um, on the other side, we also observe it internally because for us, the people are also having that demand. And I think it is a new talent criteria in the future. If you want to be an attractive employer, there will be a strong deviation between the ones that are forcing you to come back to the office every single day and you get this one or two home office days per month versus the others that say, well, like we have it at home to go. We say it's wherever work from wherever it's best for the company. And this, of course, also has an individual aspect to it. Um, but we are in travel. We are in vacation rental. So we would be stupid to not to not um, support our colleagues if they want to foster their creativity by changing the scenery around them, um, working somewhere somewhere else. And so the only boundaries that we have are the legal boundaries that we have to face in, in Europe with regards to uh, social, secur uh, social security and, and insurances. Yeah. But aside of that, um, we are very well aware that this new trend is something we support towards our consumers and therewith also obviously towards our own teams and something that we're very happy to see. And that would surely be an interesting phase once the corona numbers go significantly down and the companies are forced to think about how, how are we going to organize from now on and, and how which decisions they are going to make for, for the employees, whether to give them maximum flexibility or to return to the old ways that could be quite interesting and again 
turning that question over to you, um, do you experience anything like that, what, what Valentin has just said in business travel? Well, for sure, right? So we need basically to distinguish um, two things. On the one hand side, so this is what we call like the external travel. So basically like a company is meeting like another company, right? And then it's also just like the travel that's becoming like more relevant is actually just to travel to your own company. For example, in countries like the US, we see it actually like much more because we have like a huge um, movement in the end. For example, people from like California moving, for example, to Texas, um, from the East Coast, um, from New York, moving to, to Miami, right? Um, where actually like this type of like remote work is, is in like a very like different way where only the, the most of like a lot of the companies, especially like the tech relevant companies have like a few hubs, but the people are already living in different states, right? So by that, we are seeing that people that were actually not traveling before are becoming traveler right now because then it's just to visit the office time to time in the end. Um, I think like for Europe, this might be true for some companies in the end, but um, I think it will be still a bit different and or probably we're just like moving a bit slower here in the end, at least like by data, we don't see this um, right now. Of course, sometimes even like myself, for example, during Corona, like before Corona, I was like living in Berlin center in the end. Right now, we just like moved away with a family just to Potsdam in the end, right? It's still close, but I think this is also just like a pattern that we also see with a lot of um, families and friends right now. And by that, you have like more and more this type of like micro travel. Um, on the other hand side, um, I think Corona has also like just showed us that, um, I mean, the way how we work from home is from actually like, you know, has a lot of advantages in the end, but also like not for everyone, right? So you, you see also like a lot of people that don't have like the right infrastructure uh, um, at home, right? Sitting at the kitchen table or for example, even like in the sleeping room with a closet and in the background, right? So there's like a lot of things. So, I mean, and this is where we still need to work, right? And, and see what, what are, what type of like, solutions we can drive to optimize it for everyone but for sure and i think this is already just an output that will be like very true that the overall function of an office will definitely change and it's actually already changing right now due to the numbers as, as you see so like a lot of companies in like big companies are just giving up uh, you know more and more space in the end and moving probably like in like in very like more central areas uh, but less square meters um in the end and i think this will definitely also just define how we just use the office for example we ourselves so we are focusing only just to creating hubs actually to bring the people together what means also just to drive like more than like the micro communication. So by that also like the culture, but also just for meetings in the end, right? Just to give them always like a dedicated spot in the end. Not only just necessary just to, you know, like it was more like beforehand in the end, where just go to the office just to work. And also what's also like very true for a lot of like um, companies just to track the employee, just to see that they're like here, that they're visible, they're here, and they're not like, I don't know, playing golf right now or do, do something else, mm -hmm. right? And, and I think that this will be, 
this is definitely an effect that will stay. And I think this is also just a very positive one. Um, Valentin has touched that point before, but uh, I would like to dig a bit deeper here. What's your opinion on hierarchy? Well, less is more, you might say, as Valentin said, but how do you guarantee leadership and guidance, especially under these circumstances? What is, so what is, what is hierarchy for you and the leadership within that these days? Yeah. Uh, and just like you said, um, like, like I said earlier, for us, um, hierarchies, we prefer to work, um, mostly empowered by freedom. And that means highly aligned and loosely coupled. Mm. So we ensure an extremely high alignment on the management level, meaning that we spend a lot of time discussing things in bigger groups so that everyone has the right context to see through the vision and the strategy that we are behind. And that with everyone has the context that they need to independently lead and work with their teams. And for us, we, for example, do once a quarter uh, management offsite where we take once a quarter, three days, we'll meet at some, some place somewhere and only talk about our vision and strategy. We have small workshops. We talk a lot about culture and leadership. That is always an extremely relevant point because that is something that later needs to triple down into the teams. And by this, we all have the right context and alignment to then afterwards work very loosely just with each other. At the same time, we also there with create the right level of trust that is extremely important to work at extremely flat hierarchies. And so for us, it has been working great. The people do show a much higher degree of ownership and responsibility of their topics. And that leads overall to greater results. So you can work on many more big relevant topics if you have that level of empowered team members Rather than if I need to have the final say in everything, that means I also need to have a certain content involvement into each of these matters. And that is much more difficult. So I rather leave the decisions to the ones that are best suitable for it and rather serve as a sparing partner on it. And I ensure that by enough context, they will make sure to make the right decisions and they also take the responsibilities of it. So we see that we also get a certain type of team members with that approach that are seeking for this responsibility for like, I want to work under freedom on my topics um, without constantly being told what I have to do and what I not am allowed to do, where I constantly have to ask for what is actually my budget and cannot provide simply a ROI-based investment case. So this is, I think, where we're extremely happy with the people that we are working with, with the talent that we have at hand and something that we don't see any reason of not doing moving forward. And Eugen, what's your take on that? I think like um, a lot of things were like mentioned before, right? So it's definitely just, uh, you know, just ensure always like the value um, on also like on the effect and make it also like just very transparent in the end, what they have like achieved. Um, on the on the hand side, I think what's like very essential like nowadays to be very transparent in the end, right? Just to make it very like open. Even probably things are not always just positive in the end, but still discusses with the people, and this will definitely drive also just to the independence and also like the empowerment of people in the end. Also, in terms of like just management style in the end, of course, it's probably like not true for every type of team, but I think like for most of them. 
I myself, for example, see it always kind of like, you know, if you just uh, taking like football example in the end, right? Mm. In theory, the the coach is and the organogram always like above the people, uh, not the player, the players in the end, right? But actually, the whole effect in the end, right, will be always like driven by the stuff in the end, and that, this is always like super important just to show us like the stuff that you know only like together we can like you know um, reach specific levels and um, the specific KPIs, right? And um, oh. this is uh, I think like even like right now it's like m- more important as um, a lot of the stuff also just like remote constantly to show them this is like the way how we work how we see you in the end, but also I mean. I think it was like mentioned before, it's not always like the ideal setup for everyone here, right? So, so in that sense, um, yeah, not, not everyone is, is made for that. Um, Valentin, you maybe maybe we don't need this question even anymore because I think you answered most of it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, you have established certain values in your companies, these seven key leadership principles which guide home to ghost culture. The way you work together, you, how you discuss ideas. What had you take this major step, and how does it work so far? Sure, and I guess every company that grows and that grows very quickly right. at some point has the problem, like not to lose touch with the well with the broader organization. And while mm-hmm. a company in the beginning has time in a very small nucleus. To shape the culture, it is important that this is also passed on to each and every new team member that joins the company. And so I think for us, it was an experience that when we have brand new team members, um, that they are asking, like, for by what principle can I take a decision? Um, how am I allowed to question this and this decision by colleague XYZ? And so by having more of these questions coming up and that is being a totally natural development from, from fast growth. Um, it was for us time, like maybe we try to write down how we take decisions, how we view our uh, collaboration um, and how we see our customers and how we see our colleagues. And um, this simply led to these seven principles that we derived. And I mean, I wouldn't say that we reinvented the wheel. I mean, many companies you find similar similar principles. And for sure, we maybe looked at Amazon and their 13 or now 14 principles and that they have for themselves as a company. Um, we looked and reflected them on us where it's true for us and where it's not true for us, where we wanted to also be different. And that was derived these seven principles and we're extremely happy with them. And it's amazing that even though they've been in place for two years now, um, we never adapted a single sentence about them. We never found anything not to be true anymore. And we only had great discussions about each point and how they can be seen or read differently, but it's totally intended. We need to discuss those principles on a frequent basis. And the success of it, you find all the way through because already when we interview new candidates, we evaluate them according to these seven principles and how well they fit in on those. Um, once someone starts, all of our evaluation cycles, they consider these seven principles as well and how someone works towards them and works in line with them. And 
you find them in in many many spots in our in in our company whenever we have an all hands we do have big thank you sessions and these are also tied like to someone having exceeded in one of these seven principles and how well they've done. So I think if you want to establish something like this, it's not a one-day task where you say like, here they are, and now it's part of your culture. It's something that you have to live very consequently and throughout an entire entire journey to already make sure early on that you right, find the right people. But in the end, it's also this culture written down in these seven principles that is responsible for great parts of the success of home to go And therewith, we extremely strongly do believe in those and want to make sure that they are fostered and lived in throughout the entire organization. If you had to choose just one of them, which would, which would be the one that you think is most important of these seven? To you? Probably go by, they are also in a certain way prioritized, but it's customer first always. Well, Obviously, in your business, I'm sure. And, <laughs> and Eugen, is there anything like comparable in the end? Um, I think like, thinking about something. In terms of like customers, we don't have it in. It's like okay. more like the internal focus, just like respecting um, yourself, uh, like not only like yourself, but also like the others in the end, just supporting um, each other and just like focus um, also like to help but also like one important thing and probably like even nowadays it's even like more important here in europe we have like one principle that says you should not talk political things in the office it was actually just invented um i think it was just like two or three years ago um because we like our headquarter is in barcelona when well when the whole like um, you know catalan situation was evolving based on this We have implemented this, but this is actually like already like very true for um, all the organization globally. Also, like uh, back in the days on on the BLM movement uh, one of years ago, and even like right right now the current crisis as well. Okay, let's talk a bit about the tools to sell to solve the challenges that we spoke about before. So. I think it's obvious if challenges in your business aren't addressed, it might prevent companies from building resilience and self-reliance because you're hitting walls, not addressing challenges. But once these challenges are questioned, these challenges can become, can become sources of guidance for achieving this resilience and self-reliance. So the question is, how can you overcome such challenges to build a resilient and self-reliant company structure? So the question goes to Valentin at Home2Go. You have established flexible flexible work at home to go what are your experiences to date mm. so we established uh, flexible work at home to go really not as a policy or as a guideline or something It's just we established it for the fact that we are absolutely convinced that it will make us stronger as a company that we attract more talent And that we also create greater results within the talent that we already have on board. Because we do believe that working outside of just the same desk every day fosters creativity, fosters motivation. It's like you can see it yourself like a rainy day. You don't have the same smile in your face as at a sunny day. So if you can travel after the sun, perfect. Do it and you will have better people. It's the same person, just better. And so for us, it's something that we extremely do believe in and um, the experiences we made so far are amazing. Um, you've tr 
truly seen that people in the beginning embraced it like overly much. So everyone was constantly on travel, visiting their parents long, like probably the first time ever since they left home going to school or so um, for that long periods of time. But what it led to at the same time is that people at some point, they missed their colleagues. They missed the work environment in the office. And so by now we have the perfect hybrid of what we always wanted is that people, they meet up in the office, they 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 communicate beforehand like what day will what week will we meet in the office like for a full week then we will do workshops there we'll go for lunches for dinners and they are extremely happy to have each other and so they love the office at the same time they love the freedom to also work from any other place where they go with other groups of colleagues which is what we most often see um, to work from somewhere else and the combination of both is for us truly an advancement um, and truly has to let uh, has led to better results. And so we are extremely happy with, with how it went. I would say as a general disclaimer, I think younger colleagues need to spend more time in the office because it's also some sort of uh, socializing and providing context to how companies and organizations overall work, where more experienced colleagues um, who know how this works, um, maybe benefit earlier already from uh, working remotely. And for us, it's at the same time a great access to a huge talent pool because we are not limited to the 3 million people living in Berlin or at our other locations. Um, but we suddenly have a talent pool pretty much around the world. And that opens up so much more opportunity. And I think the way we worked during COVID will also not go away. And so it's been working successful for two years. We've had uh, each year, even throughout COVID, a record year. And this will not go away. And this will continue. But therewith, also our work style will continue the way it is. And we're very happy about that. And Eugen, with flexible work perk, you're offering something quite similar to that, where, where all employees have the opportunity to work from home and come to the office a few days a week. So what are your yeah, experiences? Sure. Are they similar like the model to the ones that that stay, has just but, um, Also, we have decided never to become a full remote company. I think it just like doesn't make sense in the end, right? So it's like still important to bring people together. I also totally agree, especially for like more like unexperienced employees, it's even like more important just to have like this micro uh, exchange in the office at the coffee machine, right? So this is like very essential and like a, the Zoom call can never re replace this in, in the end. Um, but of course, I mean, uh, we need also just to follow the war of talent that we certainly have in the end, and especially uh, for like very complex or like senior roles in the end. Um, we're also like open up just to hire people that probably are not in one of our main hubs. Uh, probably by this and for example and this is also like what I'm experiencing right now especially in the German speaking market to open in some cases also a few smaller hubs that you still have like this micro office in the end probably like a shared space of um, like one or two rooms in the end where a couple of like five six people can meet but still can live the culture can have also like the perfect infrastructure in the end um, And I think that this will definitely become very important. Just to give you like a practical experience that I just had, I think it was like last last week, like in a recruitment um, role when I was like approaching someone that was like a perfect fit and he was pushing back our offer with the argument because he said, 
I mean, during Corona, he was working mostly remote. And if we don't have an office in his city with at least like 20, 30, 40 people, he will not uh, work for us in the end because he's just like fed up with this only just like remote work in the end and just like staring at the screen on a daily basis and not being able to interact with uh, real people, right? So these are also like the effects that we will certainly see in the end. I think right now everyone is kind of like embracing this flexibility. This is very important, but only remote is actually like not really like a healthy solution. Yeah, but I, and I think that that's something that's going to stay. People want to be long, constantly working, constantly working from remote doesn't build teams and you can work with when you have very steady teams, but, but people need a, that was a very, very interesting example. People need a, a feeling of belonging to somewhere and, and not always, as you just said, spending their days staring on screens, which is what we are doing right now. Anyway, but. <laughs> but speaking speaking of micro offices that you just mentioned, um, and with all that hybrid work, are concepts such as WeWork interesting to you? Um, for us, for I mean, for example, also like here in Berlin, producing uh, WeWork right now. Also, like we're um, searching like for further spaces, also with the help um, of uh, similar companies. In the end, I think, um, yeah, I mean, the advantage are like very obvious in the end, right? So you, it's like much more scalable in the end. You have like less uh, risk in the end. Also, especially in the high capacity growth stage, I think it's like very complex to forecast how many people you will have and, and especially like where they will be placed in the end. And this gives you like the, the right advantage. But also speaking um, with a lot of our like, even like bigger clients right now, also like in the enterprise range means like, you know, 5,000, 6,000 people. We see that there's also like a high demand for this type of concepts in the end, because as I was mentioning before, a lot of them are just moving away from their like huge outside centers with a couple of thousand square meters, but actually towards a central, like very attractive hub in the end where you have great infrastructure of, of restaurants and so on and so forth, providing also like this uh, flexibility advantage to to their employers. I think there will be a huge shift and this type of concepts um, will be definitely just uh, have like a very high demand. Oh, I, saw, I saw Valentin just nodding heavily to all of that. <laughs> Anything to add? Because it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, same. So we do have offices in all of our majors in all of our major hotspots. So Berlin is our headquarters. We do have two offices in Lithuania. We do have an office in Poland. We do have an office in Hanoi. We do have an office in Mailand or Milano, uh, in Barcelona, in Paris. Um, and we are in other places when we have a small group of people working roughly from the same spot. We also rent spaces uh, flexibly like we have in the US right now. So um, then we go on co-working because co-working then has the advantage that even though you might not just be a three, four, five, six people team, you still have like other three, four, five, six people teams around you. So you still have this cultural or people hotspot where people work together, even though they might not all be in your team, that if you still have more diversity and in other team in other countries where we have enough people to have an own office, we can build that culture within the office. And so both is, yeah, for us, there's 
nothing better or worse. We like it and uh, we like these business models. And to wrap that up, both of your companies offering hybrid work, there obviously is the, the question arises, how do you guarantee and maintain your employees' work-life balance? Um, to maybe leadership, which is a leadership task, I would think. These days. Absolutely, um, and I think in the in the beginning this was a significant task because the first observation when COVID started was people working from home don't really divide anymore between what is private life and what is work life because they were dining at the same table that they were also working from and um, for lunch they at best just closed their laptop for worse they just continued working or were watching a YouTube video on that same screen that they would be working off later 30 minutes ago. Uh, again. And for us, it was a lot about on the first improving or expanding the offers that we have outside of work um, through due to private fitness coaches, um, due to um, mental health classes that we provided, due to um, activities that we provided um, through partners outside of just um, their, their home office. Uh, we provided opportunities to coffee chat uh, with each other and just talk during working hours to just force, force someone to leave your work environment now because now you will have a coffee chat like you would normally have it at the coffee machine uh, mm. in, in the office. So we needed to force that a bit more. And the second part was leading by example. So also as, as management, you need to talk about taking vacations, closing the laptop down, uh, saying I'm not available anymore. And I think that is a little bit changing from how it was in the old days to how it is nowadays. Um, we need to talk about taking vacation, calling it a day, having had a great weekend or a great night out with friends. That's something we talk much more about than this oh, I've worked so long. Like, oh, no, I couldn't even get to dinner. I was working through because I needed to check that contract. This is not a great role model anymore, especially not in nowadays. And so work-life balance is on everyone's radar. And you can think of it whatever you want, but it is certainly a great motivator and it will lead to greater results. And I think there are enough studies that show that a four-day work week is as effective as a five-day work week. So it also clearly indicates that an eight-hour day is as effective as a 10-hour day. So call it an eight-hour day close the laptop and that's good. Of course, there are times where it's more intense and you need to work a little bit longer, but ideally you do it because you want to uh, or you see the clear purpose in it and not just because you feel forced to it. And so for us, providing the offers and leading by example created after, after some uh, difficult times in the very beginning, a very great work environment where everyone feels comfortable. Uh, I absolutely have to admit working from home I really do miss the coffee machine. Actually, the good thing is my wife does also work from home, being a journalist, a freelance journalist. And so we have established a kind of ritual where we meet having a coffee. So because the coffee machine is very important. A lot of good ideas came from there. But I, guess, I, think, I think like the most important thing is just to educate uh, your staff how to manage your time properly in the end. I think this is like uh, even like more important right now in this like remote environment because you know some examples or what I've mentioned in the end, you have you have like a dedicated discipline in the end, right? So you need just to have what you also like just mentioned, like a specific rituals, especially if you're working probably you know, like alone, 
um, from home, um, but also how you like, you know, manage your time, how you also just communicate outside to your colleagues in the end, what are you doing right now, for example, where you, for example, have specific like statuses on Slack in the end, how you, you know, uh, allocate your, your time in the end when you're focused on the customer, like external and internal work in the end. Mm-hmm. So we have, um, have uh, like invented here a lot of like new approaches for our stuff here that we're constantly sharing, but also constantly improving. Um, of course, what also like mentioned before, we did also like from the very beginning, a lot of like, you know, sports activities, um, virtual um, coffee tables and, and so on and so forth. But um, again, I think the, the most important thing is just like really just to educate the people, give them the power, also give them the f- flexibility in the end, right? So I really just don't care. I mean, it's about like to achieve the target it not just like sit at your desk at a specific time, like just to, to, uh, you know, show your, um, mm. uh, manager in the end that you're still there and still working at that, uh, like six or like 9 PM in the end. Right. So I think this type of times are over in the end. I really just showed to the people what I am also just, uh, doing in the end when I also just like on a Friday afternoon when I just like don't work. Right. And like, say, you know, I would like just to spend, uh, more time with my family in the end and uh, make it also like just very vi- visible and lead by example here in the end right but also i mean obviously right we have always like situations where also i need to work uh, during the weekends in the end this is very normal that's not welcome but it's like very normal especially in this like very hyper growth stage So having spoken about all that, let's take one last look into the future. When you look at your companies and when you look at companies around you, what would you think? What are the biggest new work trends that companies should keep an eye on, which of course also help to strengthen the company's resilience as well as their self-reliance? And if you can't see any major trends, maybe you have one, two, three tips instead. We want to have some takeaways from this podcast. Happy to provide takeaways or at least looking into the glass ball as as good as possible from our perspective. Um, On the one hand, flexible work will not go away. And being full-time in an office will not happen anymore. And so people will request more flexibility in terms of where they work from. And companies that will say no to this will have a significant problem with regards to talent in the future. Second, um, workation will be on the rise and we will have more people spending more time not at home, but working from other places. And there will be new concepts that will supporting exactly that trend. Let it be a home switch or let it be more vacation rentals that also offer greater rates for longer stays. But this is something that will not go away, that will also be a decisive factor um, for talent. And yeah, it's uh, it's going to be longer length of stay and we are very sure that alternative accommodations aka uh, vacation rentals uh, will be the mode of how this will be happening Um, the third that i would say and the furthest looking out is that aside of just being at different places also working in different time zones will increase and what that will ultimately lead to is a more asynchronous work style right now or particularly in the old times, we all spent most of the times in just meetings. 
and they were all taking place in this one meeting room. Now we already mixed it up a little bit. Now some participants are in a meeting room in the office, some are just dialing in remotely through a video call. And now suddenly we can also see like, oh, for some it's earlier in the morning, for some it's later in the evening, but we cannot yet capture the full 24 hours the day has and therewith not everyone can work from all time zones and still collaborate. So we clearly see that as a next step of collaboration, it will foster a more asynchronous work style where communication through modern tools and technology um, can be structured in a way that not everyone needs to sit in one meeting room, but decisions can still be taken in a group environment and one can still brainstorm in a group environment, just more asynchronous, which will make it possible for companies to work all around the world and not just be limited to the talent pool that they find within the same time zone. So I think that we will see some tools developing in that direction and that this will certainly be a trend that also, if you want to be an innovative company, you need to tackle that topic for your culture and for your work structure as well in the future. And now again, taking a look into the crystal ball. Well, right now, but um, I think it's becoming like more important. I think uh, one of the biggest challenge, uh, I think, especially for uh, very ambitious companies is definitely to find the right talent. So right now it's like more important to focus not only find the right talent, but also keep the right talent as well. But that um, really just be very, very close to your staff. Um, make sure to take everything unnecessary from them in the end. The big advantage of our like new way to work and also just having innovative tools in the end that helping optimizing a lot of processes internally without a, like a necessary like a human touch are there this is like very true for a lot of segments also for the one for example where we are in like in the for example business uh, travel industry as well there are a lot of things where you can just help to be much more efficient not only with remote work but also just with efficient tools and the second part that i would also just emphasize is really focus on your culture in the end. Just be very careful who you hire in the end. Make sure that they also fit to the rest of your team and really just embrace and grow and develop your culture. I think this will be like very essential and this will like on a long scale, this will be also like very decisive how um, successful you will become in the future well which is obviously a very good wrap up for days for today's let's talk thank you very much to both of you for being with us this morning mm -hmm.